Welcome back, everyone, to the Wealth Through Wi-Fi podcast. As always, we are your hosts, Zach Sweet. Scott A. We are here to inspire and motivate you to achieve greatness in all aspects of life. In this podcast, we share our personal journeys and experiences to show you that anything is possible if you're willing to put in the work. Our goal is to help you create a life of abundance through the power of the internet. From entrepreneurship to personal development, we cover it all in our podcast. In this episode, we are joined by my good friend, Anthony Jilson. And since it's June, we thought on this episode, we would all talk about men's mental health awareness. So let's, let's dial it back. I don't think any three of us in the room knew until a couple days ago. And I think that was part of the reason we wanted to hop on here and do a pod about men's mental health mm-hmm. awareness, because... Man, it's halfway through the month, and you know I feel like I'm a person that's pretty up and up with stuff like that. Right. Definitely try to pay attention, and I had no clue. So we and figured try to get this in for yeah. this month. And that's uh, an important one. the reason why I wanted Anthony to come um, on because he's been on his own journey of sobriety. So you know, thank you for coming on, Anthony, and sharing that story with all of us and our viewers and to really maybe help other people who might be in the same boat or trying to figure out a path to take to help develop them, get better in all aspects of life. So, you know, Anthony, why don't you introduce yourself a little bit and uh, yeah, we'll just kind of roll on out from there and we'll share all our journeys and maybe we can all help each other out. So Absolutely. Yeah. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. So yeah, um, you know, I grew up right here in Syracuse, you know, I've known Zach a long time. Yep. Uh, my sobriety journey started about eight months ago after a battle with, a, with addiction that lasted about 10 years. Um, I was definitely a binge drinker as a teen and, you know, I just, when I was a kid, like I just was awkward, you know, I, uh, I didn't have a ton of friends. I was just shy sad angry scared you know restless irritable and discontent as we like to say um and you know i found that alcohol helped me put on a mask that i could be whoever i wanted to be right. and that that was my first love you know and uh <laughs> and uh you know i think right around 17 18 is where i really became a binge drinker you know i didn't drink every day but when i drank i drank and from there, it was just on, you know, um, all through the end of high school, you know, I went to community college here at OCC, and uh, then I went to the University of Buffalo, and those are some uh, foggy days of mine. And I really never got into drugs until after college. It was after that I had moved down to Florida, and I got into the finance world, you know, I got employed at one of the bigger mm-hmm. firms, and... uh so you're well, just to catch up a little bit. So while you're doing this, though, you're basically saying you're a functioning alcoholic, though. Like you were able to still, you know, to most people's level, succeed in what you were trying to do. You know, when you look at a lot of people nowadays, I mean, you're graduated college, got through college, you know. Well, I did well. You know what I mean? Yeah, I yeah. did well in college. I did well in high school um, because, you know, obviously we know now that when you're younger, you can handle it. You, yeah. can get up the, you can get up the next day. It'll be 30 and that's next a, month, so I, I'm feeling, I feel it all the time. It's yeah. crazy. And as we'll see later on in my story, that's part of the reason why I had to, you know, Just bring stop. it in. But uh, when I got into finance, I found that there was kind of two clicks in the workforce. There was the big partiers that were out every night, beach bars, strip clubs, everything. Mm-hmm. And then there was the people that already had families and stuff like that. Right. So I obviously fell in with the with the single people. Yeah, <laughs> and it just went from. I mean, I did. I didn't even pay for Adderall and Coke half the time. It was just there. It was yeah. always <laughs> it's there. It's part of the industry. Right? Yeah, sadly. And it was awesome because I could do whatever I want. Like, I was insane, you know, at work. Like yeah. top performer, got there pretty quickly. And, you know, I'm getting all my licenses. I'm having a time in my life and I'm hurting a little bit in the morning, but that's about the extent of it. You know what Mm -hmm. I mean? And then it just, it just escalated and escalated. Like you go from, it, it helped me in a lot of ways for a long time. You know what I mean? But eventually you get to a point where like, you know, you're not sleeping for days on end. You start getting erratic here and there. And I felt like I kind of was just at this plateau. Like in life, I just 
I moved on up pretty quickly, mm. and then I plateaued for like right. a long, long time because I couldn't function as well as I used to be able to. Mm. Um, eventually, I came up to New Jersey. I'd gotten a promotion, and then COVID happened. And COVID was not good for me working from home because now I didn't even have to put clothes on. You know, <laughs> now I could bad. really go hard. You right. know, and my addiction just accelerated. Um, a ton and the crazy thing about me is like when people like say to me now like i never realized like you were struggling with this stuff because i hit it so well especially because i was balancing alcohol with cocaine and adderall you know what i mean like i'd be 30 drinks in you know late night and you couldn't tell a thing yeah. you know what i mean because i was just so in yeah. the zone um but you know then i'd be comatose for three days you know because yeah. i'd go on a I'd go on a run for two, three days, and I'd be in a coma for the rest of the week. Um, and obviously, I just couldn't. That's just how it was for a long time. And I eventually came back to Syracuse. And then, uh, you know, things got really bad. So my uh, my best friend in Florida died of an overdose shortly after I left. And, uh, you know, that should have been a warning to stop. But it wasn't. I didn't. Um, and then, you know... The last two years, I pretty much was on leave of absences from work. Like, I went from, like, this top performer to just being useless. Like, managers hated me. I was always out on leave of absence. And because in my mind, I was probably just fooling myself, but I'd say, like, I'm going to take a leave. I'm going to start resting up, get in the gym. I need to start feeling better. I'd be on leave for 48 hours, and then I was at it. it. And I was at it hard, you know what I mean? And then it just got to the point where, like, I always made really good money on paper, but I never had anything. You yeah. know what I mean? And then I'm borrowing from family and friends and just uh, people are starting to resent me because I always need something. And I, I just turned into a major pain in the ass. And ultimately, you know, this past fall, you know, I had another friend pass away and my finances were so bad and I was just feeling a lot at that time. So I, I entered rehab on November eighth um i actually went to rehab like 10 days sober because i just curled into a ball in my bed um for like 10 days and uh i i pissed clean when i got to rehab like that's up so i was at at the lowest and i remember i went to my family and i told them how bad things had gotten and uh i remember breaking down in my uh my uncle's a lawyer. I came to his offices down here one day. And I just broke down because I had some other concerns and I just had a lot going on. And um, I was like, I don't know what to do. So I'm going to go yeah. to rehab. I just don't know what to do. You know? So I went to Massachusetts, like out in the middle of the state, in the middle of nowhere. And it was awesome. Like, I loved it there. I just felt like safe there. You know what I mean? Like, I'm like away from all the bullshit, you know? And, uh, I was going to go for like a month and then they were like, they have like a sister, uh, program program that's in Boston Mm -hmm. and that's PHP partial hospitalization. So you're basically like living in a sober house, but you can't leave without supervision. And I did that for a month. And then I did, uh, IOP intensive outpatient, which is now I could leave the house Mm -hmm. during certain hours and stuff. So I was in treatment for like five months, but you kind of took it step by step rather than, yeah. And like, I, did There's you try n- to rush it at any point? No. Or was that your choice? Because I was at such a low point that mm. when I was there, I was like, I always think I'm the fucking smartest person, but I was yeah. like, Anthony, oh, yeah. shut the fuck up yeah. and listen to what they're saying. You don't know shit. Yeah. You know what I mean, obviously you don't know shit anymore. You know? yeah. So I had the right approach when I went in, and there was a lot of people there that didn't. Yeah. And you can see the... How it's going to go. It's one of the relationship things. between how willing you are and your sobriety, you know, people started falling off. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. A lot of crazy shit happened there. Um, I was a really nice place, though. And then I'm still very close. A lot of us did the whole ride together um, all through it, and we keep in touch. And I, I live out there now. I stayed in New Hampshire. My, my work office is in Boston. I live in New Hampshire. So it was all great. And my therapist at the outpatient program, he's been, like, my number one guy as far as, like, helping me. My family's been super supportive. Um, but yeah, it just took a lot of bullshit. Like, I have so, so many messes to clean up now. And like, I'm not going to lie, like, 
I, I feel like that's kind of one of the biggest issues a lot of people have in these situations is they don't want to stop because they see the pile of messes mm -hmm. that you've kind of created behind you. Like I went through like a kind of similar situation more with pain pills and playing sports in college and trying to get through that. But like you see the messes behind you and you think you're going to be able to fix it if you just keep doing uh, it. And you're just, it's insanity almost. It literally is yeah. insanity. Keep doing, <laughs> you literally keep doing the same thing looking for a different result. Yeah, yeah. But you always, it is, you think you're this, like you, I think you hit it right on the head when you said you got to put aside thinking you're the smartest person in the room and just listen. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah, 100%. I mean, and you know, like AA and such, they would be, they would call it like giving yourself to a higher power, whatever that higher power is mm -hmm. to you. Could be the universe, could be God, right. you know, yeah, yeah. could be a passed away loved one. Right. You know what I mean, it's like, mm -hmm. so. I but, mean, it's tough. I think you know like we were talking about men's mental health awareness one of the things that kind of really sparked this was i saw the stat that men are four times more likely to commit suicide than women but are half as often to be diagnosed with depression and i think that just points to men not being able to have these conversations to a degree so we really kind of want to promote that like one saying that always gets me when i see it is the the only people in the world that are loved unconditionally are women, children, and dogs. Mm -hmm. And the problem with that statement, when you look at it, it isn't because of the women, children, or dogs. It's because the men don't love each other. Mm -hmm. And that's why men aren't loved unconditionally to a degree. Because we are so quick to defend the women, the children, and the dogs in our life that we never really support each other. Right. And that was kind of a big big thing that we wanted to kind of touch on for this pod and i think it was definitely a good person to bring on here in your yeah, story so appreciate far appreciate it absolutely yeah. yeah it's but we've been yeah every i've been trying to get him here and Anthony yeah he's brought like, it up to me a few times and i was like wow he said it for this one i was like perfect yeah. podcast mm -hmm. perfect. and it's something that like you know i can relate to you not personally but like on a i guess an outsider because you know addiction is and has ran in my family on my mom's side and you know, just seeing the constant battles with, you know, family members going in and out of rehab and what and how they bring other people into the the, the piles of messes that you, you need to talk about. And it, like you said, it's just, it, you know, me and my brother didn't talk for a while, you know, because he went through his thing. And I know we, we got to get him on the show yeah. soon because my brother would be a great contender for this. And as well because you know he's got his his side of the story but you know i guess i just always had that personal um demonstration or example of what it did to you know did to you mm -hmm. you know so that i guess right there was always for me like no there's just i don't know i don't have an addictive personality but maybe not to that kind of stuff but definitely to other stuff and it just it just never really hit with me like other people you know how it hit, hits for other people and it's just i don't know it's crazy how that brain and the mind works to make you have an addiction to such things that aren't good for you it's crazy i mean do they explain that like why it is or you get they call it an allergy yeah. <laughs> they they say basically like an allergy is you react to something differently than other people do yep. And for certain people, they can't get enough of that. Right. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. But you can look at a million different things right. in the world that aren't drugs that you do for the same reason. Exactly. It's the that exact. It's the exact. So I was say, just. Yeah. It's the dopamine yeah. release. Like soda. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's, it's like just like you're doing the same thing over and over. It becomes a part of your routine. Person. Like it's just like going to the gym or going to work at the same time, waking up at 5 a.m. when it becomes part of your routine. It's hard to break those ticks, especially in society nowadays with social media and everything else we see. Um, it makes it really hard to kind of break out of the social norms, and that's where a lot of people kind of find themselves, especially with the binge drinking. Yeah. You know, nowadays it's kind of glorified really, really significantly with TikTok and Instagram and everything else you see, Barstool, like – and it's not that there's anything wrong with that, but there needs to be both sides of it shown, I think, to a degree in these situations. And it will be interesting to see, you know, if, you know, any of these companies are ever held liable for some of the stuff that's been going on, to be honest with you. Right. Well, you know, one thing um, I've kind of thought about is I addiction has been so like it's so hush hush throughout the years. Like it's something like the family keeps to, to themselves type thing, you know. And I'm like, I can't help anybody if I'm hush hush about it. Yeah, you so I talk it. about it. I talk about it with everybody. You know yeah. what I mean? I don't care. Yeah. And I love that. And the coolest thing that's 
happened with me over these past eight months is like people message me because you're open mm-hmm. about it they message me and they ask me questions like i have the answers yeah but like i love that that i've been able to help people and sometimes i talk people every single day i've talked people into rehab yeah I've talked to people and then they stop talking to me, but I've tried, you know what I mean? But like, like, you never know with those people too. It could just be that little push they needed. Even if you don't see that side of them and then they're not going to allow you to see that side of them, you could affect them in so many different ways that you don't know. And that's why you got to keep doing what you're doing. You know what I mean? Especially when you're trying to make these changes in your life, because that's how you start to spread it. Right. Makes it easier. It takes something bad to happen a lot of times for people to quit. Um, you are only going to stop if you are unwilling to deal with the repercussions anymore. Mm-hmm. If you're okay with the repercussions, you're not going to stop. And I, uh, that, that's one quote that I just remember, you know, I was like, yeah, I was done, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I had, you know, like I said, I kind of went through a little bit of battle with addiction with, with pain pills and, you know, hurting my body playing sports, but that's I kind of had the rough addiction. Yeah. And <laughs> it was tough. Cause like, when you play, you know, a lot of people play sports for a long period of time and you play in college and it kind of becomes part of your, who you are and, and, you know, having those relationships with your teammates and large groups of people, it makes it hard when that gets pulled away. And like, I got little taste of it throughout college, you know, one year, put one of my teammates tooth through his lip, got myself suspended for part of the season. Like you see what it feels like to have it pulled away. And so when you kind of have the opportunity to get to a higher level of playing, you know, you're going to take those, especially when you can function. You know, I was perfectly fine functioning. You know, I was a dual major in college. I was taking hard classes. I thought, you know, I looked around and saw a lot of my teammates binge drinking, didn't really think anything of it. But you do, you have those moments where you see things happen or you have family members. You know, I run, my mom's side of the family has a, a big problem with addiction. I have one cousin that passed away a few years ago and I had another cousin that's close to my age that, we were basically connected at the hip growing up and now he's going through a huge battle with addiction still to this day. I mean, he, he got thrown out of the car one day by my cousin, God rest her soul and her boyfriend when he OD'd with her one time. And that was like a really eye opening moment for me where I kind of started to make some of those changes, but it still had to have more repercussions of things on myself. Like that still didn't force me all the way down the right road. So like you said, it's having these conversations with people and, being open that really allows it to spread especially mm-hmm. with the men we need the men to start to have these conversations a little Absolutely. more often it's, yeah those tough conversations yeah you know, they're uncomfortable they're tough they're not easy but i feel like you feel so much relieved too yeah. after you do it and i think that's the part that i think they're missing because when they haven't even tried it yet but I feel like it's once, a masculinity yeah, thing. And once they do it, everyone thinks like, they're going to be emasculated if they talk right. about their problems. And mm-hmm. it's just, I think the fact is that, you know, once they feel it and do it, I think they're like, Oh shit, that was, that wasn't that bad. You know what I mean? So, yeah. But you know, a good example of something I looked really closely at in the, at in the past couple of years from a men's mental health uh, point of view, the Will Smith, Chris rock incident. Oh yeah. yeah. I would say if you ask, Every man, what their opinion of, you'd get two different answers, right? Oh, yeah, all the time. If it was five years ago, I would have been like, oh, Will Smith protected his girl, you know? Right. I watched that video, and I'm like, the mental strength you have to be to be Chris Rock. Yeah, in that situation. And continue the presentation. Like, you could tell he was a little rattled, like, stuttered a little bit here and there after it, because he was like, that really just happened? But that is like pure mental strength to get yeah, through yeah, something yeah. like that like he did well, like, it's, it's the respect that he still had for will smith yeah. to be honest with you like f- for another male in that situation he showed the restraint where he could have done a million different things in that situation even afterwards he could have made it a million times worse mm-hmm. and he never really did he made a few jokes here and there but like for w- having that happen on national television and how fast that kind of was in the background you got to kind of applaud chris rock like you said the yeah. amount of mental strength to kind of walk away from that situation. Composure. Well, and then I also think, and I mean, everybody can look at it so many different ways, like, what was Will going through? Well, yeah. Oh, exactly. You're right. Who knows what Will was going through? Because obviously you see all of it in the media. Like, you know, his wife isn't so easy to deal with and things she's put him through. So it's like, what was leading up to that where Will just well, and that's where and, and that's where right. people you know too I mean? quick like, to not ask that question. Only Will knows, you know like, what I mean? He acted and, out of character, and like right. we're too quick when we see, especially males, act out of character that we don't ask why. 
Mm-hmm. We're looking for repercussions. Absolutely. And like, why are we doing that? I'm not exactly sure. I don't know if it's like I said, back to a masculinity thing, a competition thing, but we never really ask why. And like when someone acts out of character, you should probably be trying to figure out why and not thinking so much about what those actions cause because how you stop it from continuing to happen mm-hmm. is you get to the root of the problem. Yeah. Right. And I think, yeah, there's, I mean, I just, I mean, I felt bad for Wilson. When I watched that shit happen and all that shit circulate for weeks, like, all I felt parties, bad for him because, tough. like, he was a good dude, man. For years, like, you never Wait, heard a bad thing. All the stuff I mean, Will Smith. We loved the Fresh Prince. So. Yeah, man. And, like, now his, like, <laughs> legacy saying. will be tainted. And it's, like, the best part about it, though, is still to this day he hasn't came out and, like, said a bad thing about her. Mm-hmm. Like, you got to respect him to a degree. You can call him whatever, a cuck, whatever the fuck you people want to call him. But, like, you, he also has some respect to some degree, and I respect him because that's some old school shit that you don't see nowadays True. anymore. Mm-hmm. Like, doesn't matter what she did, he's not going to talk illy about her. Like, that's some old school. That's some, we need some more of that back in mind right. nowadays. Like, and that's oh, also sure. part of the issue Especially now. Especially because their kids live in the world. You yeah. Know? You have, you, when you have a kid with a female, Females and males, listen up. When you have a kid with someone, you need to respect them. Guess what? It's not because of each other. It's because of that kid. And that's where a lot of people make a big mistake. Like, you see a lot of parents that talk trash about the, you know, baby mama, baby daddy. And it's like, you don't understand what you're doing. You're creating long-term issues there and like it was your choice not your kid's choice to have a kid with them so now you need to kind of live by those actions and step up to the plate with the responsibilities trust me i know all about it that was my house growing up yeah (laughs) my dad and my mother didn't get along it's the worst thing you can do trevor ryan michaela (laughs) our dad and their Mm -hmm. mom they don't get along right there's always constant friction yeah. We we heard all of it, you know. And it's right. not fair. And right. like, it, look, it's not going to be a perfect world. That's not going to fix itself just in a blink of an eye. But like, we need to start having a little bit more, you know, taking responsibility for our actions. And like, that's where the the male side of things really come in. I think you know, men are too quick to jump on each other and not kind of take responsibility for how they got into the situation that they're in or whatever it is going around. And and. We talked about it earlier. We leave a pile of mistakes behind us when we're catching ourselves in these, you know, cycles where we're going downward. We need to find time to realize that it's going to take time to fix the situation. But if we just keep going at the rate we're going at, it's just going to get worse. Right. And I think us as men, we need to establish an outlet. You know what I mean? Like, there's nothing wrong with therapy, things of that nature. Especially, I've done it. I've done it on and off since I was probably like 18 or 19. Especially if, like, you have a group, if your group of boys isn't that type right, to l- right. listen Talk to your it, serious yeah. problems, yeah. which I hope every, I hope everybody has some boys that are like that. Yeah. Yeah. I do, I thank God, yeah, you know, right. we rip each other to shreds, but I could talk to them about anything. Yeah. But whether you have that or not, honestly, I think everybody should talk to yeah, somebody. Somebody yes, doesn't sir. matter who it is. Absolutely. Especially when you can talk to somebody objectively. And that's one of the best things for a lot of guys that they need is they need to have an objective opinion because if it's not someone that's outside the situation, they're going to feel like there's influence coming into the, their opinion. So when you talk to someone that's completely objective, it allows them to give you true input on the situation just based on the material you're giving them. Right. Yeah, I think... Um like you just said, going back to like having somebody to talk to all the time and picking those few out. And then that's why sometimes I just like talking to strangers because then they they don't know who you are. You know, you both don't know who each other are. So it's like you kind of can just there's just no judging. There's no there's no judgment between the two of you. And you, who knows, like your stories could maybe help one another. And that's I especially in my field, I work with, you know, I, I all the time in my stores and just try to pick a random person to talk to every day. You know what I mean? Cause you know, you, then that might lead to a networking thing and yeah. you never know. And you might be helping them. And that's why with my job, if I see people buying monster, I'll give them a koozie. Like I'll run out to my car and come in and like just the glow in their eyes are like, Holy, that little thing, you know, could just make their day. And, and it, it's wild. And even at my last job, I mean, we've had incidents where, you know, at FedEx where I worked, I mean, we had a package handler literally walked up to one of my co-managers and he literally was like, this is my last day. I'm going to go home and kill myself. Like, you know, like that shit, like we were and like, you wouldn't even think of it too either. Like, you know, like one of the, the nicest 
good work. He's such a good working kid. And then he comes into work and just says, yeah, this is my last day. And then he says that to us. Like, but luckily knowing our training and thank God, like FedEx, FedEx has, you know, those benefits that we were able to like get him help. And who knows if like, you know, we weren't there for him or wasn't able to get that, get him that help. Like, you know, who knows where you'd be. And it's just crazy that you never know, like you never know. And I think that's the, that's, that's what's tough because everybody today is just kind of, you know, they're so on edge and so quick to jump down people's throats. And that's why I have quick to, to be, judge. Yeah. So be I be curious, to be not judgmental. What's that? Yeah, the Ted yeah. Lasso, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Be Probably. curious, not judgmental. The judgmental so, people are the people that never learn. So Anthony, I got a question for you then. Who was the first person that you confided in when you realized it was a serious issue? Like who was that first person that's close to you? That was like kind of part of that, like, that hard conversation, but that you just needed to go to them and, and kind of, was it the conversation with your uncle? It was my sisters. Your sisters. Yeah. It's funny. And I think about it too. It's so funny to me that like, kind of like my savior and this whole thing ended up being like my little sisters. Right, you know what right. I mean? It just. That's actually awesome. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. Um, and Mariah has bailed me out a million times with money. Right. And, you know, Michaela, she helped get me into rehab. Like, they both done a million things to me. Right. So. Um, happy birthday to them. Their birthday is this weekend. Oh, that's nice. awesome. Oh, that's right. You did this. That's why he's in town. Yeah. But, it's uh, awesome when it's birthday. people that saw you kind of at your lowest point, and you still went to them for help, and they still helped. Yeah, well, and they right. still believed in you. And it's cool. What I love is, like, people got so sick of me. They were so sick of me. Like, I annoyed them to no end. You know what I mean? And I didn't even really see it because I'm so, like disillusioned right, during right. all this you know and now they come out to new hampshire and visit me and like we have a great time we laugh the whole time and it's just like mending those relationships and building that's what's just, important man well, feels so good and then just going back to like you're doing all that sober like you know what i mean you're not you guys are just chilling you're hanging out and you're drinking and like i think people have lost sight of that sober fun that like we still can have that you know when i went through 75 hard same thing like you know i was doing it not drinking and just the comments that we get and i know we've talked about this a million times in the pod but it's just funny how like people are always coming up to you and be like are you not having fun and i'm like i'm having just because i'm not like loopy and like acting drunk like doesn't mean i'm not having fun and it's yeah. like the more you ask me if i'm okay that you're ruining my time yeah, like that, leave that, me alone that's like, what kills me i'm okay just because i'm not drinking doesn't mean i'm not having fun and you it's know? like yeah. i got a fucking smile on my fucking face Literally, like just get cracks I'm me just up chilling, now. i'm uh. laid back i'm hanging out i'm observing i'm watching like you know and and that's where i think a lot of people just they're so like you said that mask. They don't understand like, though. They think that it like almost like well, it's people, like the crabs in the bucket. Like it goes all the way. It always goes back to kind of that one. Like it's people see you doing something that they don't think they can do themselves, so they're gonna try to pull right. you back down. Like I think since seventy five hard, I probably drank like ten times. And like now that I think about it, it's kind of crazy a little bit. But like I hadn't thought about it the entire time going through it. Cause I'm right. doing the things that I want to do, enjoying my time, and like that's what that's old, what matters. Old. Uh, hobbies come back, new hobbies yep. start, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? It's crazy. And I'm so much, I'm much more easily like willing to try new things that. And like the simple things make me happy. Yeah. That's what matters though. If it's, if you don't have anyone to share things with, especially that was like the one thing I found out the most when I was so heart set on my sports career being the most important thing was like, if you don't have anyone to share it with, it's not fucking worth it. Like, did it even happen if you didn't share any with anyone? If you're the only one that remembers it the way that you remember, even if that's how it happened, right. does it really matter? Did it really even happen? Right. Or is it you the only person that has that memory? An addiction puts you in solitude. Too. Oh, yeah. Big time. It, one way or another, you're in solitude. Mm-hmm. You know what's funny about my Everybody's addiction is so different. Yeah. I could have had a bottle or a bag on my dresser and not touch it. My addiction was so like social. Like right. you needed, you wanted it. For if the I saw a drink on a bar, boom, right. I'm right. I'm in the zone. Right. A bottle on my dresser, I don't have to touch it. I right. could sit there for three days. You know what I mean? But what's funny is, as soon as I I go out with all my boys, right, I'd always disappear. Like as soon as I had a few drinks in me, I disappeared. No one could find me for the night. 
and I would just I'd go find dive bar. Like my friends would be downtown. I want to go to dive bars. I want to go to the shadiest it. bars yeah. I can find because mm-hmm. I'm a weirdo. You yeah. Know? yeah, yeah. But yeah, I don't. And then that brings you around a lower element of people, and that's who you're spending your time with. But it makes be- you feel more intelligent too, and that's also. Oh, part that's probably. You know what I mean? You probably have a point there. That's <laughs> probably what I was doing. Because <laughs> you can justify it to yourself too. Right, right. I've been there, man. I did the same shit, and like you get going on the social side of it to a degree and like when something helps you socialize more like you tend to flock to it but what you got to remember is if you have to take something if you have to drink something to be that person it's not who you really are if you can't do it sober you shouldn't be constantly using something to get to that point because you're not going to be able to maintain it you're not going to be able to maintain those relationships with those people that are normally like that and then alcohol just enhances it if you're kind of putting on that mask like you were saying you need to be able to kind of take note of that and realize that you need to put yourself around people that you relate more to it doesn't mean that you can't enjoy yourself because like you said you'll start to find fun you'll start to find joy in the little things the things that you truly enjoy Mm -hmm. so now i guess through so when you first went out to was a mass you said mm-hmm. so now what made you pick massachusetts to start i guess called tully hill they said they weren't doing inpatient at that time i I, mm-hmm. I didn't know anything about that and then it was like it was funny because i actually thought i was on the phone with this place from scran because my sister just went online started putting yeah phone number and email and everything i thought i was talking to this place in scranton two hours away and then i got completely signed up i was accepted good to go i'm coming tomorrow and then they sent me the info and, you're like, oh, and i was shit. like oh shit it's five hours away <laughs> it's in massachusetts kind of perfect so, and i was even happier about that you know what's funny is there was like 15 of us there and like there half of them were from cny yeah it's crazy <laughs> bro yeah it's crazy i've heard that i've honestly heard that a lot yeah though. well i'd want to get away too like if i was going to rehab i'd definitely want to not be around i didn't want to talk about things in front of people I knew, yeah, yeah right. you or know new people i know yeah you know? right i would definitely want to get out and not be because again you're in that same environment so i could see why wanting to leave is definitely was the right decision for sure now what was like so you said you you always needed supervision the first 30 days and the, the second, second place, place. Second yes. place. Yes. so like what is that like like you can't like not being able to just like have that freedom like was that a challenge i, I no i loved, loved it, it. Oh, okay. yeah. i All loved right. it and like there was so many people that were combative about it but like I'm like, guys, just like enjoy the break from fucking life. Like, yeah, like really? you're not responsible for anything. I don't, like, yeah, I was letting my, <laughs> I was letting my bills just fucking fall. Oh, like, like, I was like, I don't care right now. Like, I'm working on myself. Yeah, yeah right. And you like, had, I shut it off. That's awesome. That and is like, crazy. I was like, I don't want to leave this house right now. I just don't. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, what'd you do with your time when you were at? You know, especially the second house where you had the ability to leave, but you needed the permission. Like, what would you do with your time? I started. I was very involved. In AA, like, you know, mm-hmm. I, I went to meetings every day. I got a sponsor and I started to read. I hadn't read a book since probably like <laughs> junior high, probably The Outsiders was probably the last <laughs> book I read, right? I read Salem's Lot in like three days, which is like this thing. You were like, wow. oh shit, I can read. Yeah. And I third, I couldn't get enough of it. And then, uh, and then I, Stephen King's long, I think it's his longest book is uh, The Stand. And a lot of people consider it to be his best book. I still haven't finished it because. I got like halfway through it and then I had my freedom back. Yeah. So, but I went to the gym. I started going to the gym a lot and stuff like that. So yeah, pretty much uh, it was all healthy stuff. Um, I loved being there. Like I was kind of sad to like leave, you know, what what was the heart, who was the hardest conversation to have when you came back, like face to face? Was it like a boss? Was it a family member? Was it a friend? Yeah, like, like you burned a bridge with somebody and wanted to make it make amends with yeah. them. Um, getting at Scott? Yeah. Okay. So, because I feel like a lot of people, that's kind of the scariest thing to them is having some of these conversations, you know, after the fact, like being sober and having these conversations like that scares the shit out of people. Yeah, I was I was saying to uh, Zach, a mutual friend of ours is somebody who's in recovery and he's one of my best friends and he got sober a few years before me. And a couple of Christmases ago, I visited him and he was like a few months sober at this point. I went into the bathroom and I started sniffing coke in the bathroom and I came out. I'm like, he's not going to know. You know what I mean? And I'm, and he's like, dude, you got to be fucking kidding me. Right away. I had fucking powder all over my nose. Yeah. And I was like, oh, I'm so sorry, man. Blah, 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 blah. And like, 
You didn't really realize though back then. I knew it was kind of bad, but, but, but I was such it. an idiot yeah. back then. Yeah. You know what I mean? So he called me a few hours later, and he was like crying, like threatening me, crying, like mm. he was That's on the edge because yeah, of it, right. you know. And uh, when I got sober, I started having a lot of conversations with him, and I I realized how cringy that was. Like yeah. that was one of the one of my biggest regrets ever. You know what I mean? Um, but uh. We've had a lot of conversations, but at first, like five months ago, I was like, yeah, we'll hang out when I get home. And he's kind of like, yeah, we'll give it some time. Yeah, let's make sure it kind of And like, a bit. that hit me hard. That hit me really hard. Because he didn't he want you that. to be a I was like, damn, like, like I fair, really huh? have affected some people, mm-hmm. you know? Um, and now, like, I'll probably see him this weekend. Things are good because he knows I'm on my shit. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. this isn't a joke to me. I love right. that. So, uh, that. And then, you know, I've, I've done some shady shit to some friends and family. Um, those are conversations that haven't been had yet. Uh, they know, I mean, they know how right. I feel about it, right. yeah. but I want to have these conversations. You yeah. Know yeah. I mean? have that it eats at me. Yeah, oh, I'm sure. Yeah. I fucking hate it. I'm yeah. not that person normally, you know what I mean? But I turned into that person. Mm-hmm. It turned in, I was a complete narcissist when I was on drugs. You know what I mean? Probably most people are. Yeah. Oh, every person yeah. is. Yeah. Every fucking person is. Yeah. There's nothing but me. It's only so, about you when you're right. like that. hundred mm-hmm. percent. But I was very good at being like that. You know I mean? like, <laughs> but, that's I was, how, but that's how you're successful. That's how you're functioning in these yeah. situations. And like, those are the worst situations. Those are the people that you really got to worry about. Yeah. Well, and it's, you're also still getting away with it, you know? Because no one thinks it's that bad. Right. Well, yeah, it could be pretty bad. But look, he's still doing well at work. He's driving this. He's doing that. He's always here. He's always there. He always looks fine. Right. Those are the people that we got we to gotta start to look for. Yeah. And even people I don't like, I'm... I'm very just open to anybody reaching out to me. You know what I mean? Yeah. Even people I've had problems with in the past, like, I'd love, I would love everybody to have this feeling. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, just, it's all bullshit. Like, mm-hmm. get away from those fucking people. Like, I try. It's, you know like, what I mean? We talk about it all the time. And I even tell people, you know, my, my dad's girlfriend's kid, you know, they've been together like six, seven years. You know, he's literally just about the, it's crazy. He's already done his first year at LeMoyne. You know, crazy. he's a stud golf player, you know, and it's like, and I just tell them, like, and even some people are, I still know, I'm like, listen, all this shit you think you matter, all your friends you think you're hanging out with, all that bullshit is not going to matter in 10 years. Mm-hmm. Like, it's literally not. This is, trust me when we say it, like, you need to focus on this, this, and this, and just stay dialed the fuck in. Because, like, they're only going to drag you down. And, like, and then even if you're the type of person who always wants to do something or has a good idea, they're just so quick to just be like, yeah, right, ha, 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 type you're not gonna You know what I mean? That. You're not going to do it. And it's like... You need to surround yourself with people who like-minded. Are, you're right, like-minded, and you want to be like me. Starting to like when on my running journey and running half marathons, all these Spartan races, and I was like, these are the people I need to start hanging out with. Right. Like these are kick-ass people, and that's why I started hanging out with my brother more. And he's been kicking my ass and just like getting into shape and doing all this bullshit. And it's it, it's cool because you wouldn't think that you're gonna find. I guess friends like that are similarities with people in something that you never thought you would like to do. But then it turns out you're like, holy shit. Again, it's that dopamine. So high. You're going to find it's like, it's like, I swear to God, like when, especially runners is a great one to fucking compare it to. You run in half miles, half marathons, marathons, the people that are finishing around the same fucking time as you, Guess what? You're probably going to have some things in common with them. Probably. More than the people that are finishing at different well, yeah, times. First and, place and you and start shit, to right, realize right. that shit. And then you see yourself kind of building. And you're like, huh. The people that are finishing faster tend to be more successful. Now, it doesn't even matter what direction you go in with that, but they tend to be more successful. Even the dudes that aren't doing that great in, you know, their professional life, they're people that are known as that runner in their in their neighborhood. They're that person that everyone knows, you know, Michael, the runner, the dude finishes in the top 10 in marathons all the time. He's known for that. He's influencing people around him, even though he's not having a professional, you know, high-end career. Mm-hmm. And you start to kind of pick up on stuff like that. It doesn't mean that fitness has to be the thing that you do it with either. It can be, you know, stuff like this, getting on and vocalizing. It can be going out and getting involved in AA. It can be going out, getting involved in different charitable organizations, anything like that. That's why social media is so awesome now. Like yeah, and have an impact. all the time. And like, that how shit many can lives pop can you touch? The, yeah, and that's right. how many. I mean, that shit shows up on everybody's Explore page. You know what I mean? Especially if they like that kind of stuff. Like, yeah. they're going to see and they could just find you and then boom. Anything like, you do, you find the more successful people in that, mm-hmm. the people that are working the hardest, guess what? It tends to spread into other parts mm-hmm. of their life, no matter what you do. You're going to be 
the average of the five people you spend the most time mm -hmm. with. We say, say that, that all the time. Them. Birds yep. of a feather flock together. Yeah, yeah. Show me your, show me your so five closest friends. So hang out with five people I'll that are doing future. more than you. Yeah. yeah. Then you're, yeah. Mm -hmm. but now, who are you trying to, who are you trying to impress? Right, today? Yeah. yeah. So um, five closest <laughs> friends. So, <clears throat> I mean, like, what are some of your, what were or are now some of your strategies to when, um, like, you might have a craving to. Or when you did have a craving to being, like, still continuing to be sober. Yeah, once an addict, always an addict, <clears throat> right? That's kind of the... Ice cold shower. Okay. I love that. That is something I fell in love with in, mm -hmm. ever since I've been in recovery. I've never done anything like that before, but, like, cold bath, cold shower shocks your system. Right. And they say, there's, like, a... I think it's, like, called polyvagal theory or something okay. like that, where it's, like, it basically trains... It's part of that theory. It trains your flight or flight. Fight or flight. Yeah, yeah, fight or so flight. So it's like, yeah. helps with anxiety and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. So like you get used to... It's such know, a high level of something that it basically flushes everything else out of your system. You, you get good at like, yeah. you start out like, and then you got to like calm yourself. Yeah, right, So right. you get used to calming yourself. It's that breathing. Yeah, right, it's right. That, like, that's what they talk about. They got to focus on your breathing and... Yeah, man. I can, I can, I'm like doing it right now. <laughs> I'm, I'm like shower. thinking about it because I got like yeah. kind of big into cold showers for a little while, and it's like something I've been like kind of thinking about getting back into mm -hmm. again. And I think that. Yeah. So it's that. So if if we're talking like in the moment, I mean, I should be calling my sponsor. That's what right. I should be. Yeah, doing. That right. should be number right. one. Um, if they're not available, you know, try to have someone else in your life right. that you can call right yeah. and give them a heads up be like yeah i'm gonna call you so what do you you know you when you're out now being social and stuff someone that doesn't know like offers you to a drink or you know a bump like how do you handle the situation i have not the good thing about me being so open about it is everybody knows yeah right and it hasn't good. happened yet but, hasn't happened. but the thing is is like in the professional world, I anticipate I will be offered a drink soon. Oh, right, right. You know yeah, what I mean? It's just part of the game. Good thing is I tell everybody at my work, too. It's kind of like my way of dealing with it. Like, I stay away from situations where that can happen. And because everybody knows I was just it's about much to ask less you that likely next. to happen. Yeah, I was just about yeah. to ask, are you, like, purposely staying away from... I had, I'll I had, probably be downtown tomorrow night, to I, be honest. Yeah, I tomorrow. had a friend that... Yeah, because I didn't stop. I mean, like, like, with 75 Hard, I didn't, like... Again, that's what he talked about. He's like, don't stop your life. Like, don't stop not having fun. He's like, go right. have fun. Go put your, like, purposely put yourself in those situations to see how your mind, your your body's going to react. Mm -hmm. You know, he's like, don't you, I'm not saying you can't have fun. And like, this is Andy saying this. And he's like, you know, and that's what I didn't do. I went to a country concert. Jason Aldean didn't have one sip of alcohol. Literally, I was, like, so proud of myself. Like, yeah. and while everybody's there, like, you know, like, I don't even think anybody really offered me a drink. But just the fact is that, like, you know, I was there the whole time and just didn't even have an urge. Like, I was just like, you know, I'm on, I'm focused right now. Like, you know, I'm here, I'm having fun and that's all that matters. So, you know, that was just a question. I didn't know if you like, are you kind of purposely staying away from those situations? But it's nice. Cause again, like you're, you, you can still go out and be social and have fun and, you know, being, you have to, you can't, yeah, exactly. you can't just be a can. cocoon. It's rough for about five, 10 minutes. Yeah, and right. then I kind of settle in yeah, usually. Right. Yeah. Right. Yep. It's part of, like we said, though, picking up those messes behind us. Like, we got to, that's part of dealing with life. Like, if you right. want to be the person that, you know, we intend to intend to be, we got to stay true to those kind of values, and sometimes it's going to suck. Yeah. It's kind of a rush in itself, like, fighting an urge and then winning. You yeah. Know what I mean, it's like, but that, you, but when you I find hit my the competition, pillow at yeah. night, yeah. I hit my pillow at night, I'm like, I fucking did it. I did it. Fuck I mean? yeah. Another day. day. Yeah. yeah. Another day. Yeah. Um, I just had some questions here. Yeah, get so. a few out. We'll wrap yeah, it up. We'll wrap time. up. Um, so now I guess what's been like, what do you think? Like, I guess what's a, what's a big milestone you think you've hit, um, like through the journey so far? I mean, I guess, you know, you said eight months now. Right? I'm almost at eight months. Okay, nice. What was the hardest, what was the hardest moment you've had in the last eight months? I can tell you exactly that. I had just gotten to the point where I could leave the house and every Friday night, I go to this AA meeting and like 30 people go to E afterwards. Right. And it's kind of like a Tully's atmosphere. It's mm -hmm. out in Boston. Right? right. So there's a bar. Right. I, everybody's wrapping up, walking out the door, paying their bill. And there's probably like three of us left. And I go to the bathroom to take a wicked shit. So I'm in the stall and someone goes into the stall next to me. Two dudes walk in. I can tell. Right. Someone's in the stall next to me and his, I see his shoes are facing the toilet. And I start to hear it. 
and I'm like, fuck. My heart starts pounding. Right. And I just say, he's, I see this pair of vans underneath the toilet, right? And uh, it's funny because he was having a conversation with his boy who I think was at the sink, and the guy who was sniffing was complaining about his brother <laughs> for doing coke. And I'm like, he's definitely doing coke. Narcissist, Yeah, right? he's doing yeah. something yeah, right yeah, now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, like, I was thinking, I had these memories racing through my head about every time I'd go into the bathroom at all these places here in Syracuse, I'd always, I'd, I would be so in the open about it. I'd be at the urinal offering it to the person next to me, <laughs> and people would take it. And I was thinking about that, like, I wonder if he would be well, like yeah. that with me. <laughs> but I was, like, kind of glad that I was taking a shit. Yeah, <laughs> like, right. there's no conversation in my head right now. So they leave, I leave, and then I see that pair of vans at, at the bar, and it's him and his boy, and they got like three hot chicks around them. And I'm like, damn. Like, I have, I'm there by myself. I have my car. By yourself, yeah. You and can, I'm like, everyone's left. Everything I love's right there. I'm like, booze, girls, yeah. and they got drugs. fucking drugs. Fuck. And I just called my girlfriend, and I fucking got power walked my it. car. Yeah. I don't know if I was right. I had to go back to the sober house and. Do a uh, breathalyzer every night. Mm -hmm. I don't know how that situation plays out in that short a stint of sobriety. Right. If I didn't have to do that, right? But I was, I paced around the house for like forty five minutes when I got home. Wow. Yeah, that's. I can just feel the tension. I, I have the chills. As you like, said, just uh, like, yeah. as you talk the story, I just like sit there, just like, oh, yeah. yeah, that just those itches. So I, I could, yeah, that's tough, but. But hey, you did it. Like you said, another day. You know, right. You, you did it, and like you said, you did exactly what. I'm sure they told you to do call somebody quick, you know, and that way you're distracted. Remove yourself from the situation. You know I mean? right. Just have to call someone that's going to hold you liable, right. like hold you accountable for your and actions. I'm sure it's so nice to the point too, where like, like how you just did with your friend, like they called you four times. You're like, all right, no, I have to answer this because like he's somebody I talked to. It's just same thing with like your sisters. When they, when you, when you're calling, they're answering. Like they already know, like, you know, you can call them and they're going to answer. And like I, the fact that is that they've built, you guys have built that, you know, connection again, knowing that like they know you're going through something and they know they're calling you for a reason. And the fact that they, you know, usually I'm sure they always pick up every time is that's got to be such an amazing feeling. You and, know? and I have to shout out my girlfriend. I was just about to. That yeah. was literally what I was going to say. Last question. So, like, when did you and your girlfriend meet and how long have you guys been together? Yeah. OK, so <laughs> Zach knows I've been a piece of shit for the longest <laughs> time. Right. I've been so different in sobriety. like. I have been with my girl since I got to the New England area. I have been completely faithful to her, like nothing. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like, it's been great. She has helped me so much. Um, when I'm out ripping and running, like, I, I just fuck. I, I'm, I'm only thinking about myself. You know, yeah, there is right. no, there is no faithful mm -hmm. relationship to be had, you know. Mm -hmm. But uh, my girlfriend does not drink. Um, her brother is a recovering addict. She's not in recovery or anything, but she just doesn't right. drink or anything. Right. Uh, we just live a very like quiet, cozy life in New Hampshire. You know what I mean? By the ocean, it's mm -hmm. nice. Uh, but yeah, no, you know, as soon as I got my phone back out of rehab and I'm now in Boston, I'm in the new area, I'm like, oh, I got to see who's out here now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm so, swiping, yeah. right? No. Dating apps, right. <laughs> it's just funny. So I matched with her and, you know, I'm trying, I'm talking, trying to talk to all these girls. Uh, she kind of stuck out to me because she didn't want anything to do with my situation. And then I, I, I saw it as a channel. I was like, this is who I'm going after. You know what I mean? And she's, like, very well established. You know, she right. owns her own business. She has a salon with employees and right. everything else. And uh, it turns out we get out along very well. You know, mm -hmm. now we live together. We have our dogs. We do a lot of fun shit. Our relationship's good. It's the most healthy relationship I've ever been in. That's, that's for sure. She does a lot for me. Um, and now that I'm getting established again, I'm able to reciprocate. You know, now I, you know, obviously I had I had to find a job and everything. Yeah. Now I'm bringing in the money, so now I can right. do yeah. nice things for her now too. So it's, my girlfriend it's awesome. doesn't drink, and honestly, bro, it's the best thing in the world. Yeah, yeah. I'm gonna be honest, like best mm -hmm. thing in the world, best thing, best healthiest relationship makes life so much easier when you remove alcohol from the equation. It brings so much bullshit to your relationship. So much, and you don't oh, realize yeah. it. You really every don't. fight is is it's there's alcohol. And, and, then, you, and then you start to think about it, and you're like. It's all mindless yeah. shit, yeah. Right. And and rightfully so because you, I mean, at least with me, I'm a scumbag when I drink. So why wouldn't right. it lead to problems? You right. know what I mean? Like, yeah. so it just my grand my grandmother. Or this is actually kind of a cool story. My grandmother was in AA my whole life. 
I had been to an AA meeting when I was younger because I wrote a report on it. Huh. So I was very familiar with it. Smartest man in the room. Yeah. <laughs> so right? my uh, my grandma put this framed picture of the serenity prayer in my suitcase when I left for college because she knew back then. That you were. You know what I mean? So uh, That's what I was going to say, actually. I meant to say that earlier. Is I actually have a friend that's a recovering alcoholic, and what he does is he actually carries around one of the serenity coins. And like whenever anyone asks... He just first thing he does is pulls pull it right, it pulls it right out, mm-hmm. and then says, uh, "No, I can't. I'm actually recovering." Mm-hmm. Or he sometimes just shows people the coin, and most people in situations know what it means. That's a good idea. And he just always has it on him. And then, like, if he's in a situation where he feels like he's starting to get tense, it's in his pocket. He'll like rub it in his pocket. Mm-hmm. Like just finding those little things that right. bring you that calmness. Yeah, that is a good idea. I'm actually taking that away. Yeah, I love that. <laughs> yeah. Good. So, um. Yeah, I guess we'll, you know, we'll wrap it up with one final question. I guess just like what is maybe one good thing of advice, your favorite thing of advice maybe somebody gave to you that maybe you'd want to share with us wrapping up right now to other, you know, our viewers or listeners. It was uh, like a, a uh, I would just advice. say a few things. Uh, for one, I would say if you're struggling, don't be afraid to look up local AA meetings because this is how it's going to go. You're going to walk in there. And everybody's gonna want to help you. Mm-hmm. That's awesome, right? It's it's uh, it's the greatest thing. Yeah. Like they'll be like, "Who's this?" Right? Are you an alcoholic? No, I'm not an alcoholic. No, you. We're gonna help you. You know, I take my number. Yeah, you know, right. I'm gonna call you tonight. That's right. how it is. That's cool. like they're gonna they're gonna help you, and they're gonna make sure they do. You right. know what I mean? So, um, of course, you gotta be willing to actually go through right. with it. But don't be afraid to do that because it's just such a great atmosphere. And then lastly, I would just. A quote that I just stuck with me through that one of my friends told me in rehab. He actually told me he came up with this when he was fucked up. <laughs> but it's uh, if you don't love yourself, your love for others is at best useless, at worst harmful. Wow. And I thought about that a lot during rehab, and I was like, "That's very, very, very awesome. true." Honestly. And then okay. I try. I was like, okay, at worst, it's obviously harmful. At best, is it always useless? And I would think about it and think about it. There's a lot of people that don't love the, themselves. Mm-hmm. Is their love really useless for other people? I was like, it can't be. And then I thought, I thought about my grandmother, who was my closest person growing up. She passed away. She struggled with addiction her whole life. My grandmother did so much for me, but she couldn't give me tough love. Because I don't think my grandmother loved herself. Right. And because she, she didn't love herself, she couldn't give me tough love. Because she was scared she'd lose you. Yeah. That she was scared she'd lose me. And then when I was thinking about that, I was like, that quote does, yep. it is true. I like that. Yeah. I think that's something that definitely goes on in my family for sure. Yeah, yeah. On my mom's side, definitely. So, tough love is a big part of it, man. It is. It is. It's tough. But um, I think that's a perfect note. Yeah, to wow, on. that was great. great I think it's probably one of our great podcasts. Like, we'll definitely have to have you best back on yeah. again. That was a no, good, great uh, podcast. I'll come on anytime. No, thank you. That was awesome. Um, as always, guys, thank you for listening. I hope you guys got some value out of this. And again, for men, you know, talk more, talk more, talk more. You know, just talk, call, find somebody to call every day. You know, I have Finding those people. Yep, yep. I call those same people every day and just talk. So, you know definitely focus on yourself get get healthy mentally physically and emotionally guys because it's it's the most important thing so again anthony thank you for coming on and guys we will see you next time love you